good to see everybody, uh, my wife and myself, Pastor Rodney and his beautiful wife as well, also headed up to Queensland this week to um, join our elder Graham and Jan Bollington up there in sunny Karoi, which we thought we were going to head into some rain, but it wasn't, the, wasn't to be. We hit that last night in the turbulence of coming home from, the, from Sydney in the plane. I was t- it was crazy because the stewardess, she got thrown into the seat. It was really, really wild. And um, she said to us as we're getting off, that's the worst turbulence she's ever been in in seven years of being an air hostess. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I'm in the back. Sarah and I are right in the back. I'm holding a cup of tea. And, and Sarah watches her get thrown into the seat. And all of a sudden, my belt's nice and loose because who sits on the plane with a tight belt on? I mean, I'm holding this cup of tea. And, and you know what it's like at the back? Who's ever been at the back of the plane? All of a sudden... Up in the air, I've hit my head on the, on the suitcase container and my tea. I've got like this with my cup of tea and I've saved it as I've landed back in the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit spilled on the lid and I watched two other people in front of me just wear their whole cup of tea and I'm like, this is not cool. So it was about five minutes we hit this horrendous turbulence until they finally got below it. It was crazy, but uh, good fun. It sort of was like, it wasn't the highlight of our trip. It, it was definitely not the highlight. We all got off looking a little bit, little shade of grey or green or whatever you like. But uh, only one person lost their dinner and it wasn't us, was it, Rod? We, we did good, so praise God for that. But uh, yeah, we headed up for our state conference, uh, which was our, our leaders and pastors and spouses um, gathering. It was more like a retreat. Um, got to hear some personal stories of what God's doing. This, the, the church that we were in just completed a building program, um, one that was designed, it was a really encouraging story, one that was designed in the vision that God had given them and they put a DA into council, um, but the, the enemy had thwarted their plans for such a long time that their DA was about to expire, so they put this slab of five metres of concrete out the back so that they could keep the DA in, in action. And, um, and then they had some issues with pastors and, and different things and it looked like, looked like this church was going to close and going to die. And, um, but uh, interestingly, the Lord led um, a new couple up there who had been ministering for years. They'd just come back from England and uh, they, weren't, they were sort of having a rest from ministry and uh, they, the, the elders called them up and said, would you just come and have a look? And he said the moment he stepped onto that five metres of concrete, the Lord just said, you're going to finish what you're going to complete. What, God, what I com- started, you're going to complete what I started. And, and it was really awesome to be standing in this brand new building um, just to glorify God together. That church has been brought in, is, is on a pathway of coming into the CRC, but we saw their pastors um, become affiliate ministers into the ministry. And uh, they tell us, in their little story of sharing that uh, their work is coming to a close there and they're about to hand that over and they're heading off to London to plant a church and uh, in one of the darkest areas, um, very um, Muslim-controlled region. Um, he's heading back to his, his hometown where he once served in the biggest Pentecostal church. In, so he's, he's, he's 60 now and he's um, once served in the biggest Pentecostal church in London at the time was about a thousand members strong and now there's not even a Pentecostal voice within the city. So, you know, um, interesting to see the people that God connects us with as a movement, amen? And uh, just a real faith-encouraging time and hopefully we can um, share a little bit of that with you over lunch today, which will be amazing. What do you reckon?
Amen. So who's, um, who's been here the last couple of weeks? We've been looking at this whole um, play on words, 3D. Who likes watching movies in 3D? <laughs> okay, obviously no one likes watching movies in 3D. Um, what was the last one we watched in 3D? Was it? No, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it was. Yeah, it was really cool because it was just like whew, coming straight at you. You're doing these ones through space. It's anyway, 3D. Um, but really, it's just a play on these words, the three words that God had sort of um, given me at the start of the year as, as I was just praying into where, where we were going and what was happening within our year. And uh, the first word, does anyone remember what the first D was? Who's going to be brave and you've got to say it loud so they can all hear you? Deliverance. Deliverance. So exactly right. God, our deliverer, has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love or light, if you want to say it in a different way. So we looked at God, our deliverer, who is interested in delivering you. Amen. And then second week, last week, what did we look at? What was our second word? If you were really intently listening, you would have picked it up quite well. I only said it like 60 times, I reckon. It was what? Disciples. Are we all disciples of Christ? Yeah. And uh, we worked through what it was to be a disciple of Christ as God called Peter and uh, Nathaniel. Who remembers the story of Nathaniel? That God sees us even, even in our uh, times where we, we, we might, be, might be reflective. God is seeing us in our reflections and he's speaking to us, and he's leading us to what? An encounter, I believe, and it's an encounter that will change your life, an encounter that says that he's called you to this journey of discipleship, and it's not just discipline, is it? It's not just to becoming conformed into the likeness of Christ, but it's actually that we may represent him well. In a sense, um, I used to say it quite often, but we would represent Christ to a world that doesn't know him. If Christ came once, we get the beauty and the joy and the, and the responsibility of representing him to a community who don't know him. So we get to represent Jesus well. So as his disciples, we want to become more like Jesus. And, and ultimately, that is one of the fruits of our deliverance. And if we're not necessarily growing in discipleship, then we need, to, we need to come to God with open hearts and we need to say, God, what is it that's holding me back? Because I believe that you're the one that can deliver me from whatever it is, whether it's your own thoughts, your own concepts of God's call on your life, what, doesn't matter what it is that might be holding you back. It could be a sickness, okay? It could be a demonic oppression, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be those things, but it could be those things. You get on your knees before God as a disciple of Jesus. He hears your prayers and he will deliver you so that you can be an even greater disciple. Isn't that a good thing to know and understand? How God sees you and how he sees me is really, really important. But today, discipleship and deliverance really culminate in one thing. And we're building towards this one thing. God has delivered you for a purpose. You remember me saying that God is not content with a token salvation. Jesus wasn't interested in hanging on a cross so that you can sit and keep a pew in church warm. That wasn't the whole purpose. It wasn't the purpose so that we could have a church of a thousand people. 
Now, while those things are important and really good, Jesus died so that his church would be a light into a dark community so that more would know that he is the Lord, that he has paid a way to be forgiven of our sin and to be brought into a kingdom of his righteousness. You can work all you want for as long as you want and you will never earn position in the kingdom of God. The only thing that will connect you into the kingdom of God is faith in the Son of Jesus who paid a price that you couldn't pay. That He spilled every drop of His blood that He would position you to not just be called disciples but be to, call, to be called sons of the Most High God. That Jesus would position you in that position. That's what it's all about, deliverance. That He would deliver you from one kingdom to the next. And God has a purpose for each and every one of you. And discipleship is that purpose. It's that pathway into this one thing, which is what Ali introduced us to in that video. That the whole purpose of delivering you was to help you find your calling unique in Him, the way He's designed you so that He can be demonstrated through you. Does does that sit with your heart? Do you think that God wants to demonstrate His glory through you? I think, I think in that thinking itself, there is a radical shift that needs to take place in each and every one of us. And I want to build an atmosphere this morning. I want to build up to something that I think will position you to understand because it doesn't matter what I say, how I say it, how intellectually good I am at saying it, or with what words I use. It doesn't matter how wise it sounds coming across to your ears and your mind. What, happens, what matters is what happens when the Holy Spirit connects with the Word of God and implants it into your heart and brings revelation. The only time that we will move from disciple, which is follower to discipler, which is someone who can demonstrate the kingdom of God like the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter or so many people that we can look at throughout history, the only thing that takes place, it's not the understanding of the wisdom of man and the understanding of the knowledge of the word of God. It is the understanding of the king himself and the kingdom that he implants within you. For the kingdom of God is near. It's the kingdom of God that wants to shift your thinking so that you can be a demonstration of his power today and every day into the future. So I want to build this time right now. I want to build it and I want to pray that you would begin to open your hearts. And I'm not just talking about the opening of the heart to the saving grace of God, but open your hearts to the call of God. Open your hearts to the voice of the Holy Spirit because He has a purpose for you. And His 3D vision of your life is meant to impact people in a 3D way. But yet we approach people on a 2D level. We approach people almost like we are part of an artwork, a drawing that all you see is the face. 
But God wants you to be 3D in your expression, which means you've got to go beyond what you see face-wise and go into the depths of His calling for your life. Amen? So let's pray. Would you like to stand to your feet this morning? And as I said, I want to just build this time. I want to build this time so that you can interact with God in the same way you just interacted with God through communion There is no reason you can't interact with God through the entirety of the worship service. There's going to be something that I say that I believe that God is going to impact your heart with today. It might be one word, but the Holy Spirit is going to breathe on that one word and you're going to feel something that you've never felt before. I believe this is happening. And as I share... As I open up the word around this, I know that the Holy Spirit, as faithful as He is, He will reveal to you His purpose in that. Some of you will feel it in a wave. Some of you will feel it in a twitch in your your body. Others of you will feel a warmth in your heart as you know the Holy Spirit is just breathing upon something that He's spoken to you before. Others will just want to lay it down and just say, God, I'm all yours. I'm believing that many people will fall to their knees as the Holy Spirit ministers to you today. And again, like I said, it's not about what I'm saying or what I'm doing. I believe it's the intention of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate His love in your life in such a way that you would become demonstrative in your own. Father, It is not enough, Father, that we walk this life hoping that our next moment will be good. But Lord, you have called us to impact this world with the kingdom of God. As representatives, as ambassadors for the kingdom, Lord God, we have a responsibility to step into this world and bring an encounter that this world has never had. Lord, I pray today, as individual members of this body, you will speak deeply to us. Holy Spirit, open our hearts in such a way that you can come in, that you can bring a fire into our hearts. Let there be one word that you connect with today in our lives that would move us along in our progression of discipleship and in our hope of understanding but yet more so in our faith of the doing of who we are. You have called each and every one of us to power, Lord God, authority and power. I pray today that you would move in our lives in such a way that we would understand this like we have never understood this before. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare freedom across this house. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I speak that out because there are some who are just starting to battle this with their mind. I can sense it. I can feel what you're doing because I've done it myself. Tell the devil he's a liar. God has called you He has positioned you and He has brought you here this morning so that He can use you in a demonstration of His kingdom.
Mm. You may take a seat. If, if you're struggling with those thoughts at the moment, I want to encourage you now, if you want to close your eyes as you listen to what's about to happen. Close your eyes. Like I said, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about something. I don't know what that something is. All I have are words on paper and the faith to know that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal God to you in a new and fresh way. God has delivered you and He has called you to follow Him. But after the call to follow is the power and release to go. There are some axioms that I want to share quickly as you're thinking and listening. Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it well enough. Is that true? Why do we complicate the gospel? Another for us to consider is this. You don't know what you are capable of capable of until you put yourself in a position to do something you have never done before. Stephen Covey, the author of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said, to know and not to do is really not to know. The little axiom that I like to live by in my own words is you don't know something until you can do it. Is that fair? You don't know something until you can do it. But you can't do it until you position yourself to do it. It's, it's, it's just the kingdom of God. It's the way that it is. And we sit back and we think, I need to do something, but we allow fear to wash over our lives in such a way that it hamstrings us and stops us from stepping out in faith. Think back for a moment of what it was like when you first encountered Jesus, when he touched your heart in a way where you had the revelation that you were saved. Reconnect with what it was, with the faith that you rose in, in that moment, in that time, where you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God loved you and he set you free. If you can't connect with that, or if you've never felt that, come and talk to me later as we close the service. Because maybe God's got an encounter that's going to shift your, the trajectory of your life this day. But think back. What was it like? Deliverance and discipleship must propel us into dem- demonstration. It must. And I'm not talking about the demonstration where we see millions of people come to Christ. Now, while there may be one or two of you here to see that, I'm talking about the demonstration of your faith beginning from where it is right now currently, taking a daily step of moving in the direction of what God wants to do in and through your life. Don't get captured and don't get caught up in the, the masses of what can happen. 
because it never will until you put to faith one action step at a time. That's the importance of discipleship. But I want to turn this on first. There's a couple of pictures up there for you to reflect on. You don't really know something until you can do it. I like this one here. Drink coffee and pretend you know what you're doing. I like that because it actually encourages me because I love coffee. Amen. But at the same time, there are times when I am so deep that I have no idea what I'm doing, even like this morning. I've said, God's going to speak to you. Now I'm in so deep, God has to speak. Right? I don't know what God's going to say to you, but I'm prepared to see what God wants to do. So I'm that deep in, I need a coffee. Right? Yeah, you can make me one later. It's all good. But I need one now, right? Because I have to look like I know what I'm doing. But the reality is I've got no idea the capabilities of God. But I've got a faith that says God can change your life in an instant with a word, with a single breath. And if my faith says it, then I must create a space that says God is here and he wants to do something in your life. And if you never create an atmosphere where God can do something in your life, you will stay the same every day of your life. So, have a cup of coffee and pretend you know what you're doing. Why not even make a cup of coffee for God himself with the hope that one day he might drink it with you? Right? That's, like, you, you can't explain it simply. If you can't do that, then you don't know it well enough. Good on your Einstein. I haven't read anything that he wrote that was simple. Right? But at the same time, he could probably sit down and explain it simply because he understood it. All I understand is that God has called us to position ourselves in a place of faith, knowing that we don't know it all. Why is it that the church has turned that around to say that we must Know it all before we step out. Faith is actually putting yourself into a position where you have to trust and rely on God. Or else what you're doing is you're doing it out of works. And nothing will come of it. It has to come from faith. Some of you need to be pushed out of the boat. Yeah, it's the truth. It's the reality. It's the sense of you have to either sink or swim. See you later. Work it out. It was the story of my life. I can remember I started at this church. It was about year 2000. And uh, Pastor David was going through a rough time. You know, the fact that everything was just running and they were moving, we were moving buildings and all sorts of things. And, you know, it took ages for Pastor David to come and visit Sarah and myself. Pastor David Wright. And that was unlike him. It was just unlike him. But I was told by God to come and sit in this church and to do something by God. And I'm like, well, how can I do something if the pastor won't even come and talk to me? Okay, obviously I don't want to do anything. I'll just sit here. 
the reality was God was doing something in me because I was praying, God, I want to be used by you. Some of you just need to be bold enough to say that prayer. But then you see, Pastor David comes around. He, says, he rings me up and he says, Steve, I want to come and have a cup of tea at your place. Okay, great, come around. Wednesday night will be fantastic. Come around. We're living on the packing, at the packing shed at the farm at the time and the old house. And we, you know, I was pretty proud because we'd done all the painting and stuff ourselves. And come around, Pastor, come and sit down. Made him a nice cup of tea and put a nice plate of bickies out there. Yeah, as the pastor comes around, that's what you feel like you must do. And he didn't apologize. He just, he just said, it wasn't an apology. It was just said, wow, it's been a long time since I've actually come around and introduced and had a conversation. So it was just this acknowledgement that he hadn't done it. I don't know what was going on in the background. I know they were talking about me. I know it was happening. Pastor Dave is sitting there sipping his cup of tea like Kermit the Frog. He looks at me and he says, Steve and Sarah, we want you to run our children's ministry. I could have fallen off the couch onto the floor and I'm like, what? You want me to do what? But now I kept myself calm and I'm like, okay, you want me to do what? And, okay, right, children's ministry. Straight away, huge responsibility, yeah? It was in that moment, it was almost like I connected with the understanding of God's heart for children. And we just said, we'll pray about it, but okay. So we, we just started a journey. And then they're like, we'll, we'll put Jeff and, Jeff and Tracy Cottermore doing the children's ministry at the moment. But you know, Jeff's a trainee pastor and we've got some other things for Jeff to do. And ultimately, they'll be there for a few months and then, then, then there'll be this transition and you'll come out. I think it was a week and a half. Tracy came in a few times after that. Jeff was like, see you later, I'm out of here. And it was sink or swim. But God doesn't look at the outside appearance. He doesn't look at the capabilities of your mind. He understands what he's placed in your heart. And if you position yourself in where you will trust him, he will grow you into something that you could never have imagined. And some of you need that created for you. Others need to say, I'm just available. And some of you need to actually get on your knees before God in an environment that's been created for you to just say, God, use me anywhere you can. I surrender. My life is not my own. I have given it to Jesus. And when you do that, God begins to highlight things upon your journey that says yes. Yes, yes. And all of a sudden, you feel like you can swim just a little bit better. But the reality actually is, no, you can't. You can swim all you like. You're still going to drown. What needs to come under you is the faithful hand of God to lift you up. Because it's not you doing it. It's not me doing it. That's the power of demonstration. To step out of the boat knowing that His hand is always faithful to lift you up. And you don't have to know everything, but He will use you in spite of the fact that you don't know everything. 
Because when you don't know everything, he receives even more glory. It's the heart of the disciple that he wants. It's not your ability. It's not what you think you can do. It's that you would position yourself to say, God, demonstrate your glory through me. But I've heard it said in churches that people would rather sit back and let God receive all of the glory he is deserving because they don't want to rob God of any glory for themselves. Do you think you could ever rob any glory of God? Absolutely not. Now, you may be honored as someone who is faithful and you may be honored as a leader or you may be honored in a position that you never thought you would. But even that is about glorification of God. It demonstrates His goodness in a place where nothing else would demonstrate that goodness. should get into this, eh? 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5 says this. And when I came to you, brothers, did I not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom? Did not come. I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is Paul. Studied for years and years and years the Word of God. But he chose to put that aside so that the only thing he knew in this city called Corinth was that of Jesus and him crucified. And then it continues. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. It means he's putting himself in exactly what I'm saying. In a position where he must rely on God. I'm in weakness in fear, and I'm trembling. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I trust that God's going to do something. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, for that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith might rest, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I have heard too many churches go under because a pastor has left, which tells me one thing. The people were putting their faith in the word that he could share or the work that he could do or the service that he could provide or she could provide. But it's not the reality. When the Spirit of God is present in a church, It doesn't matter who's actually leading it because the benefit is the church and the community that the church has been birthed in. It doesn't hinge upon one ministry. It hinges upon the fact that we are all one body, individual members, but all one. It's interesting. Well, isn't it interesting to you that the Apostle Paul talks like this? that the other apostles demonstrated the kingdom in power, but church history in mainline Christianity has had a major focus on the expounding of the word. It's like we've lost the ability to demonstrate 
the authority and the power of the Word of God. Therefore, we will teach it in ways that just shows the wisdom of the person bringing the delivery. God wants both. Sound teaching, but teaching that empowers and equips the church to go beyond themselves. To believe that God can do all things through them. While this is important, should it really be the only focus, the teaching of the Word of God? Absolutely not. The Word of God should teach us how to live as the sons and daughters of God. Like I said before, you don't know unless you can do. Let's look at this, Romans eight fourteen. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are... Does it say by all who are led by the Word of God or the Spirit of God? Okay. Now we know we've gone through history and we've had this tilt toward the Word only. We are in a unique time where it's never been before except for the early days of the book of Acts. We are in this time now where the Word of God and the Spirit of God are equal. Because it's the Spirit of God that gives power to the Word of God. They are one. And they cannot be just one or the other. They need to be both. And we are in this unique period of time where we're seeing the demonstration of the power and authority of the Word through the church of God. Five verses over, Romans 8, 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. There is a responsibility upon you and I as disciples to reveal God to those who are eagerly waiting to see it. How many of us have talked to people who had turned off God because there are hypocrites within the church? Yeah? That's what knowledge actually does to us. It puts us in a position where we are hypocritical. Like we know it, but we don't live it. But the power of the Spirit of God captures the Word of God in a place and it it brings it to a place where it convicts you to live and outwork that Word. It's, It's so important to understand that the love of God is not just so you can feel the warm and fuzzies, but it's so you can be set apart so that other people can feel what it is to be brought into the kingdom and family of the Most High God. I believe the Holy Spirit came to empower the disciples to live a life of daily demonstration of the kingdom. Jesus said to those who were his disciples, and I believe it echoes loudly for us today, this one point, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And where? To the ends of the earth. Now it's written in my Bible in black and red and white. Yes? Is it written in yours the same? Those words. Some are the words of Paul. Others, that last one, is the words of Jesus. 
In fact, they are the last recorded words of Jesus until John's vision in Revelation. Which tells me something. They must be extremely important if, they, if Luke made the point of writing them right there in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a witness. Do you understand what that means? There's a testimony in your life to share witnessing of the goodness of God. The love of God compels us to share this. But I don't hear many testimonies. So either we've connected with the love of God or we haven't. And here's the challenge. Here's the thing that that maybe one or two of you might connect with in the Holy Spirit today. The challenge that you might know about love, but do you really know love? And if you know love, then it's not important how you speak about it and the amount of words you use to share it, but in how you demonstrate love. We've caught up in this Western mindset that says we must be able to speak to be able to show people that we understand something. But I can communicate love in various ways that the person knows that I love them more than any word would ever give them. I can embrace someone who's crying and heartbroken over the loss of a loved one and I can communicate love the same way Jesus would have. And I know you can do the same thing. We all feel all choked up because we don't know what to say to the person who's grieving. And many of us say the dumbest things in those occasions. Is that right? Who said a dumb thing to someone who's grieving? Be honest, I have. I've said some dumb things to people. But never once have I been rejected for showing the love of God through through an embrace. Never once has it been misinterpreted demonstration is what disciples are called for. I look at, I look at the Salvation Army and, and while we might not necessarily see the direction that they've gone as being the leading of God, whatever it is, I don't know. But I, I sat down at a, at a youth convention once <clears throat> as the leader and I listened to this lady, a, a, a Salvation Army captain. I tell you, she understood love in a way that I could only ever hope to encounter. As she shared of the stories of sitting down with a cocaine addict or a heroin addict in a dust, next to a dustbin. And she told of the stories of how she hugged this woman even while the needle was hanging out of her arm. There is something in the communication of love in that exchange that saw that woman's life turn around and she encountered God and got clean. It wasn't her words. 
It wasn't her profound knowledge of the, the, the Word of God. It wasn't the fact that she was a captain in the Salvation Army that led that person to Jesus. It was the love of God that was demonstrated through her that saw that woman's life turn around. I've got to walk through a situation at the moment with someone and I'm just thinking, how God, I just want to go and slap them so hard into next week they would not. I've got no, that's just me, right? I just want to just slap them so hard they will not wake up for a month. Like, come to your senses, you are so dumb. But I woke up this morning and all I had for this person was overwhelming grace. And while the world will reject this person, I can't. You don't know something until you can do it. And God wants you to start doing it in such a way that your community will know that he is God and he loves them. It's about the demonstration of his kingdom, not about how you convince them to come in and believe that he's the only one. They will know he's the only one because they've never encountered love like his love. They will know it. And when they encounter his love, they will not reject it because it is what their heart is longing for. You will receive power. It might not be the power to raise the dead, even though it's available, but you will receive power to bring people into the kingdom of God through his love. Three things God wants you to understand. Before I say the first one, I want to read this. Demonstration of the kingdom of Kingdom of God must be something we are in pursuit of. Not a token salvation, but a lifestyle that demonstrates the grace of God's kingdom here and now. Demonstration means to manifest. We are called to manifest or to demonstrate, or if you want, prove the kingdom of God. You tell me when an intellectual argument will ever prove anything. It's the truth, is it? The truth is that you and I are called not to get into a debate. We are called to show and demonstrate something that no one else can. And God sees you from a position of not kicking you in the pants, but actually saying, well done, my good and faithful. He's calling you to this position because the world needs it. I could go into the, 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 the devastation of what happened in, in um, Christchurch only a week and a bit ago. I could talk about what's going on in politics and I could show you that, that the position of what's going on in my view is right and your view is wrong. I could do all of that. I could share things on pay, Facebook, which sometimes I do because I think it's important, but ultimately... It's the love of God that needs to pierce through the darkness of this world. And the only way that can happen is when his church embraces the call to reveal him. As God's delivered ones, we follow passionately after Christ. Are we seeking to demonstrate these three areas? Firstly, demonstration of the power of the gospel. 
Who wants to demonstrate the power of the gospel? 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Is this right? Is this right? We're talking dunamis power here. It's not just power though, it's also an authority. And we can talk many stories of storms that have been calmed or things that have happened where, where the church has come out victorious. They always reveal the love of God for something, don't they? The demonstration of the power of God needs to actually be um, seen to bring transformation. I love this chapter in 1 Corinthians because Paul, you know, he's kind of being really reserved. They're they're challenging his authority and his apostleship. They're they're, they're sort of, he's bringing them into this understanding that, you know, we're stewards of a mystery that the world doesn't yet understand. We're stewards of this mystery and, you know, those who you're putting up into positions of apostle and giving authority in these areas, they still don't understand the mysteries of God. But you know what I kind of do? And when I come to you, I'm going to show you the call of God on my life in such a way that you're going to see the kingdom of God, not just in words, you're going to see the kingdom of God in power and demonstration and manifestation. And you're going to see the gospel and the power of it work. I want to see a church that captures this in their heart. That I might not have the ability to raise the dead, but I carry someone within me who does. That I might not have the ability to sit down with someone who's a drug addict, but I, within me, proclaim that the Holy Spirit inside of me does. And if I would get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do His work through my life, then maybe, just maybe, a lost child could come into the kingdom of God. This is Paul and how he's talking. Don't challenge me, he's saying, but let me show you the one who has all authority. Let me show you the power of the gospel. The kingdom does not consist in talk, but in power. So we're to demonstrate the power of the gospel. When we talk from testimony... Of the goodness and power of God who delivered us from our past, no one can challenge this. Do you know that? Your testimony is power. And it is the very key that sets you up for growth in the kingdom and the demonstration of God in power. It is your key that no one else has to revealing God. And the power of your testimony needs to be worked on. It needs to be able to be shared in one minute. It needs to be able to be shared in five minutes. It needs to be able to be shared over a cup of coffee or so be it a beer at the pub. Because it doesn't matter, they need the gospel as well. Your testimony is the power that will connect someone to the gospel of Christ. What God has done in your life. Are you excited about what God does in your life? Is it mundane or is it life? Are you, are you ecstatic just to wake up and say, God, I'm alive. What a grace this is. To be able to walk. To be able to eat. To be able to buy whatever you feel like you want to buy. Maybe not a Lamborghini, but that's all right. But you can do it. You've all got gifts and talents. Are you thankful for that? Then if you've got a story... Use your story with dunamis power, dynamic power. Allow 
God to breathe on your story in such a way it will bring people to the cross. It is your story. It brought you to the cross. If it was powerful enough to bring you out of pride and to trust in God, is it not powerful enough to lead someone else? Like, do you look at your testimony like this or is it just something that falls to the wayside? Have you forgotten it? Do you need to go and get a flag and a water and go to the river for three days and just fast and reconnect with the God who touched your life? Like, God wants to do something in you and your testimony is the key to releasing other people. They can't argue with your testimony. They can't. I remember conversations when I was at work with people. They would argue with, with me, oh, you know, you're trained to be a pastor, and rah, 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 they start these arguments and conversations. I come back from the Solomon Islands where I, got, where I saw God open a deaf, man, a deaf boy's ear. They couldn't argue with that. They couldn't argue with my testimony that God healed me when I was 10 years old of something that happened to me that I needed surgery on, and it said, they said to me that I would not have children. They can't argue with the fact I've got four of them. Yeah? It was only by the power of prayer. My parents were away. They were down the coast with Christian friends. And you know what they did? The four of them turned to prayer. God, watch him. Those four children, they're in God. They're united to God. Yeah? They're the power of my testimony. No one can argue with that. Science can't argue with the fact that they are miracles. Every one of them. Yeah? So why don't I use it? It's the same. You've all got stories. The story of how you come to Australia. Was it a miracle? Then use your story. The story of how you came to be in Griffith. Use your story. How you came to choose the profession that you have. It might be a nurse. It might be an accountant. It might be a teacher. Whatever. It might be a welder. Whatever your story is, God led you to that place where you were positioned to share your story so someone else can come into the kingdom. I will never be able to step into your workplace and share that. Either, either you want the kingdom of God to be present in our life or you don't. If you don't, that's fine. You know? You're always welcome here. It's home. You're always welcome to sit under the word and worship God and all that sort of stuff. Let's together allow our testimonies to impact a world around us in a way that no one has seen before. Let's push together for the last move of the Holy Spirit in such a way that God would see a church that would be a lightning rod for his last move of the Holy Spirit. Can we not believe for that? Like, well, we'll never get it if we don't believe for it, for number one. And we'll never get it if we don't position ourselves into a place where we can say, God, use us. We're all sitting back, waiting for revival. God, bring revival, bring revival. But you know what? When you say, God, bring revival, he sent you. That's the truth. God brought revival into your heart. And he can do it again through you. Maybe, just maybe, we need to step out and just say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And, and I'm going to pray for you and actually do it. Maybe we just need to step out and say, you know, 
I've been listening to what you've been talking about and I went through something the same. And, and you can share what your story was and how you lent upon God. And it might just intrigue them to say, will you introduce me to this God that you're talking about? Now, wouldn't that be a miracle? Wouldn't it be a miracle if the 90-odd or 100 people that are sitting in here right now, wouldn't it be a miracle if every one of you shared part of your story this week with someone and that one person said, can you introduce me to Jesus? Would you not fall off your seat next week if there were 200 people sitting there? We complicate the gospel. Think about it. Think about what God does as he uses his church and as he uses individual members of his church to demonstrate the love of God through their testimony. That's what we're called to do. It is your power. Amen? Secondly, we can all demonstrate the love of God. Can't we? Who's love challenged? I used to be. You're not going to put your hand up for that, are you? Hmm? Who's actually looking around at the love challenged person at the moment? Because if you're looking around looking for the love challenged person, maybe you need the encounter with love yourself. Because God's speaking to you, He's not speaking to the neighbour. Like love challenged. We, we can demonstrate the love of God. How do we know the love of God? Through his word. Let's look at it. I like it. John 3.16. For God so loved. He what? He what? He loved. He didn't think you were a hot dog that you wanted to eat. He loved you in a way... That, that looked at you in spite of your circumstances. It was a love that was founded in grace. It is a love that we call agape. It, God so loved you that he demonstrated his love in sending his son. Every one of us know John 3.16 in our heads. But do all of us get it in our heart? I, I went through times as a pastor going, oh, here I am using John 3.16 again. They're going to get so sick of hearing John 3.16. You know what? I feel now that I want to use John 3.16 every week because it's the power of the gospel. For God so loved you. He loved you in such a way that he gave Jesus his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You could read the rest of that and... Uh, I sort of put the rest of it in there because we felt guilty because we don't say the rest of it because it's important but the highlight is God so loved you you're part of this world you didn't check out he so loved you that he gave so we understand love by this that in first John three sixteen, we hear by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. By this we know love. We know love first by encountering the person of love. 
But we don't just know it in that capacity. We know it by doing it, by laying down our life. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's 1 John 3, 16 and 17. Well, this one, 1 John 4, 7 to 11, these are like three of my favorite scriptures. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. When the enemy then tells you that nothing good will come of your extravagant and reckless love toward another person, isn't it not good to then turn around and say, that's because you don't know God the way I know God. And when you know God the way Jesus wants us to know God, then you can't help but love. Because he does something in our life. Because, I'll continue, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that the love Uh, so that we might live through him in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? So that the world may know God's presence. It's really important to love one another. Jesus says, I will know you by your love. Will our world know us by our love one for another? Is it sometimes hard to step out of the comfort zone and serve someone in love? Someone who needs love? someone who is reaching out for acceptance, even in the body of Christ. Like, there's a good core of people here today. And when we connect with the love of God, shouldn't we all feel like we're loved? Shouldn't we be sitting in a place where we're accepted, where we can be embraced, where we can be encouraged, and where we can be loved and show love? Demonstrate the love of God. The first is demonstrate the power of the gospel. And a simple first step that you can take is begin to work on your, your testimony. The second is to demonstrate the love of God. Love first those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's your practice ground. If you practice here how to love one another, then it doesn't become hard to love someone when it comes to your workplace or your school or up the main street, or you're standing in line for a cup of coffee and you just decide to buy them a cup of coffee as well. Are you in a hurry? I'll buy you a cup of coffee. We'll sit down and have a talk. Imagine that. Wow. Lastly, demonstrate the life of the church. If we're going to love God, we're going to love one another, we need to demonstrate the gospel, we need to demonstrate the love of God, Lastly, we need to demonstrate the life of his church. How do you see the church that you belong to? This church. How do you 
Do you love her? Do you pray for her? Do you see her as the hope of the lost in this region? God planted you in this church for a reason. And if he's put you in this church for a reason, then it's not for your reasons, it's actually for the reason of his vision over this church. Yeah? God puts you in this church so that you can partner with him in the demonstration of the life of his church. Do you speak about her? Do you build her up or do you tear her down? This is God's bride. Like, do you tear her down in such a way that it grieves the heart of Jesus, her bridegroom? Do you speak about the great things God's doing? Do you invite people to come and see what God's doing? Do you invite people to come and see the unity of this body? Hmm. Or are you scared that something weird's going to happen? That you might scare them off? You know? Think about what you're scared of. Ask God, why are you scared of it? And if there's something within you that is hesitant to what the Bible says about what you're scared of, then you need to repent. If you don't have a revelation of the Holy Spirit, ask God for a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Put yourself in a position where you can say, okay, I'm going to be open to this God because I see that those who are filled with the Holy Spirit in our context are safe, they demonstrate love, they understand your word and they go beyond themselves to the call. Challenge yourself in these things. Lastly, do you live as an example of the church today or do people not know that you belong here? If no one in your life knows you come to church and that you come to this church, whether they, you think they're going to think it's wacky or not, then you need an encounter with love. Because if you're growing in Christ, then God wants to use your growth to bring other people to Him. He wants to use you as a demonstration. It's nice to be a demonstration of God, is it not? Maybe you need to encounter this word where in Ephesians 3.20 as the prayer of Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So when we talk about church, we are either glorifying God or we're undermining His goodness in the community. Think about it. How do you talk about the church in Griffith? And I'm going to take this just not just from our church perspective, not just life source. How do you talk about God's church in Griffith? 
every one of them are connected to his heart, his call. He loves them just as much as he loves this church. Your decisions to speak about God and to speak about his church, are they to build up or to tear down what he's doing in his goodness for our community? We have a responsibility to be impacted by the goodness of God in such a way that we begin to see our whole life consumed by the passions and purposes of God. This looks differently for any, everyone, and there really is no marker, but do you encourage and build up those who experience God in a different way from you, or do you question, mock, and tear down? We're not all meant to look the same. I invite you to close your eyes for a minute. We're not all meant to look the same. Your expression of God is different from my expression from God. Your call is different from my call. It's different from the neighbor that you're sitting next to. But it's just as valid and is important and is necessary so that the body can be filled with glory for God. Your expression in God is important. Whether you are more inclined to follow the wisdom of the word or more inclined to be far out there on the spiritual plane that no one else is, it doesn't matter what your expression in Christ is, but that together we're united under the banner of love. We each need one another to demonstrate the love of God to his community. Do we build one another up or are we tearing that person down because we have no reference or understanding for them? If we have no reference or understanding for the differences and diversity of another person, then we need to understand our word more because every person that is represented in the church, you will find a representative of them in the, in the Gospels or in the Epistles or even in the Old Testament. You will find someone that is like that person. And yes, sometimes a person might be doing something that is wacky and weird and doesn't line up with Scripture. But when you've got good governance and good structure in your church, when you've got good leadership that can come around them, you can offer grace and extend grace to see them grow up into the things of Christ. And if they can't, they move on. But how do you talk about them? How do you pray for them? Do you pray for them to be conformed to your image? Or are you praying for them to be conformed to the image of Christ? Because they are two different things. Our views sometimes need to be changed. While your eyes are closed, I want to say this. Simple actions reveal profound love. Simple actions reveal profound love. Everyone can do a simple action of love. There is a battle for souls in this world that must be won for Christ. People we encounter are not seeking a debate. They're seeking a way out. 
something that will set them free of this world of hurt. When we demonstrate the kingdom as outlined today, we will see people set free and souls come to Christ. Jesus called, Jesus taught, Jesus demonstrated, Jesus delegated, and Jesus released in power a commissioned group of people to win the world. This model is to do so the same from a church perspective. To call by allowing Holy Spirit to save them, to teach, to demonstrate, and to disciple others to do the same. My prayer is this morning that God has spoken to your heart. And while I spoke a long time, the demonstration of the power of God is the most important thing I want you to grasp that today. So we invite our music team to come this morning. The world is hungering and waiting for a demonstration of the sons of God. A demonstration in power, a demonstration in goodness, a demonstration of love that goes beyond the love that you can ever demonstrate in your own self. Today, as we close in song, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for those who may want to respond. Some of you may want to do some business with God and ask God to forgive you of your attitudes. Maybe it's good that you stand to your feet, all of us right now. Holy Spirit has spoken to you. He's highlighted one point. Maybe that's why he got me to labor on a couple of those points this morning. Maybe, just maybe, you need to do business with God right now. God, I'm sorry. If you want to pray this prayer with me, just close your eyes and put your hands out. Not up in the air, but just put your hands out like you want to receive something from Him today. I want to pray this prayer. Maybe you want to pray it in your heart or with your lips today with me. Father God, I'm sorry that I've put myself in a position of judge. I have viewed the world through my limited perspective. That is not my role. Today, I repent from being the God of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Set Jesus on the center of my throne. Let my life become the life you have called me to live. Bring me to a place of humility and fill me with your love. Just raise your hands now. There's a wave of Holy Spirit forgiveness just coming through this house. Just let it flow over you right now. Just let the Holy Spirit flow over your life right now as He blows afresh in your life. God's doing something significant in the hearts of many of us this morning. 
some of you want to surrender. Those of you that want to surrender, just open up the front that you may come and be on your knees before God as we sing. And it's not a marker of what you've heard. It's a marker of what you're hearing right now as God is doing something in your heart. You've repented. You've positioned yourself to hear from God and God wants to say something fresh over you today. If you feel that your next step in this whole process of revealing the love of God in demonstration of power and authority, in the demonstration of the goodness and the love of God, the next step is to just come to a place of surrender. I invite you to come now. Don't hold back and don't wait. God wants to touch you in a way that you've never encountered him before. And it only happens in a position of surrender.